Damn Good Podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. You know what it's like sitting there, want to go to the game, not quite sure, tickets are expensive, just wait until the last minute. You can get up to 60% off with all the best last-minute ticket deals. That includes Georgia tickets. They drop right before kickoff. Trust me, just go to the Game Time app and you'll see. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is quick, simple, easy to navigate. You can get music and theater tickets there as well. And believe it or not, there's an in-app panoramic seat view from every section. You know where you're going to sit before you go to the game. That's always important. Head to the App Store or Play Store now and download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Hello, everybody. This is Seth Emerson. Welcome to the Damn Good Podcast. Rennie Curran is over there. Rennie, how are you doing? Man, doing great. Glad to be on another week. Shout out to the Bulldog Nation. Happy Thanksgiving week to everybody. And by the way, I will preface this by saying I'd like to give off this aura of that we are recording this in some wonderful soundproof studio way up in the sky uh multi-millionaire kind of thing but in reality I'm, I'm right now filming this in my home office and my son is home this week because of thanksgiving week so if we have one of those situations where you hear a kid in the background kind of like do Rennie, did you ever see that clip it was like from the i think the bbc of a guy is doing a remote live tv hit and his toddler sons like crash it and come in uh on live television i think i yeah, did see it, that yeah i'm, I'm amazed yeah. that that doesn't happen more i think i've actually i've sometimes i'll be on like the fine bomb show and my kids are home and i have to like go to the other room but I, you may still be able to hear right whatever i've turned on to distract them so anyway just hopefully that doesn't happen but maybe you will hear young alexander emerson at some point um, but Rennie, uh, I guess mm-hmm. let's get into it. Your, uh, your reaction yeah. to the Texas A&M game, Georgia never trailed, seemed in control the whole time, but mm-hmm. then you look at the stat sheet, Texas A&M had a little bit more in total yardage, not that much, but a little bit more, a little dicey. Uh, yeah. what do you think? What was your takeaway? Man, I mean, uh, Definitely, we, we still have a lot of work to do. Everybody's been talking about the offense, and I think, uh, you know, the frustrations are uh, very necessary at this point. I mean, we're, we're nearing the end of the season and uh, still haven't really, I feel like, developed that uh, groove and, and that position that we need to be in to be that dominant force, especially, you know, when you talk about going into the playoffs and you talk about uh, potentially winning it all and being a team like LSU. Um, you know, we got some work to do, some serious work. And so so to see some of those kind of mistakes happen, you know, running, uh, I know there's one play where right. Swift got frustrated. You know, everybody's talked about that, where the balls ran into, uh, ran into a blitz pretty much. Um, little things like that at this point in the year, I feel like should uh, we should have a handle on. So that kind of worries me a little bit. But, I mean, for me, being a former linebacker, loved seeing the defense and the way that they dominated 
Um, you know, from the beginning to the end. I mean, when I look at the defensive backs, they've had – I think that was one of their best games, honestly. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that was a great quarterback. <clears throat> and you had uh, guys like DJ Daniel who stepped up, made a lot of big plays. Richard LeCount had, like, a game of his life, uh, balled out. I mean, J.R. Reed, everybody really did their thing. The defensive line did a great job of just uh, keeping him under pressure, making sure that they could not establish the run. I think they had like 300 yards the week before. So uh, to really shut them down the way they did, man, it, it says a lot of good things about our defense. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, when I look at the offense and I see the struggles that we're having, it doesn't worry me as much just because of how dominant the defense is playing right now. Uh, it it uh, And we really don't have to do much. So I think if we clean it up and uh, we can go in and put at least 20 points on the board against any uh, team that we face, we're, we're going to have a pretty good, darn good chance at winning whoever we play. Because, you know, they can't. The nine times I've You think that's even the case against L I mean, we'll get into this, but I, I, I looked at it and I thought about it more. And, I mean, we don't want to skip over Georgia Tech, but, I mean, look, okay. Uh, but everyone's looking at the LSU right now. <laughs> and something that I wonder about is – since LSU is a pass to set up the run type team and is such a good pass team and Georgia's strength has been run defense. What does that mean for that matchup? Does that mean that that's a bad matchup for Georgia's defense because LSU can pass it so well and they have not faced anywhere close to is that good a team or, or what do you think? No, I mean, I, I think it's a good matchup, man. I think as long as, uh, you know, our defensive line continues to play, the way they've been playing, you know, guys like Aziz Ajilari, Tyler Clark, Jordan uh, Davis, all those guys are really starting to come on. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, uh, these are some serious playmakers. So I, I feel like as long as they can get in that backfield and cause those hurry-up uh, hurry situations, um, be disruptive, get that quarterback off his timing, I think we got a great chance, man, at, at uh, really matching up with these uh, wide receivers really well. And it, it just – all come together. It starts at that mm -hmm. D-line. And so as long as they're doing their thing, it's going to really take a lot of that pressure off to the cornerbacks to feel like, you know, they have to have the game of their life. They'll, they'll you know, be able to get faster reads. You know, all, all those things matter. Um, and then the fact that we're playing in Atlanta, too, um, I feel like we're going to have that home field advantage. And we've all seen how we play, you know, in those, those big games. I feel like Jake Fromm is a gamer. As much as struggles we've had, like we show up in those big games, so that gives me confidence knowing that you know, um, not not uh, disregarding tech at, at all, but you know when it comes to this SEC championship game, I feel like we, we're gonna be in a yeah, good position. Yeah, you sound pretty optimistic about Georgia's chances against LSU. I, I like it, man. I mean, just from what I've seen, um, like I said, in those big games when everything's on the line. Uh, we do really well. It's almost like right. we become a different team. And uh, I feel like this tech week is going to be important just to really build that momentum, put those, you know, offensive worries behind us and just build that confidence going into this LSU game. And I know, you know, Kirby's going to really be on them this week about just executing at a high level, uh, really not overlooking this team and, and building the right habits and all those good things. So, yeah, I think that this week will be a, a very good, like, uh, stepping stone to just build that confidence going into yeah, the LSU. Yeah, because if Georgia doesn't put up a lot of points and yards against Georgia Tech, then I don't know when they're going to right. this year. But I, 
it's interesting, and I, I, I may be repeating myself from earlier shows, but if you look at Georgia's just within this con- context of this season, if you didn't know anything about Georgia before the 2019 season, I don't think you would look at this team and say it had much of a chance against LSU. You would see an elite defense, but you would see an offense that just really hasn't provided much cause for optimism other than the first three games um, and really only the first three drives against mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. I mean, since then they've been pretty ordinary um, to inconsistent. But when you know that Jake Fromm has been there before, has done this before, when you know that Kirby Smart has done this before, that they have come up big in this building uh, the Auburn game. They played better against Alabama last year in the SEC championship than people expected. It gets forgotten that Alabama was like a two-touchdown favorite and Georgia was actually ahead by 14 before the collapse happened. Exactly. Um, And when you know that this offensive line is as good as it is and you've got George Pickens, I'm not sure they can count much on Lawrence Cager going forward, but they've got the tools to, to, yeah, to rise up to use the word of another team that plays in that building, uh, and and win that game <laughs> against LSU if their if their offense can play to the potential that we know that it should have, but it really hasn't shown this season. Yeah, no, I agree, and uh, you know, to your point, when it comes to Lawrence Cager, I, I think they're being smart there, just kind of holding him back for these next couple weeks. I don't believe he's going to play in the t- uh, Tech game either, so I think. They're banking on making sure that he's ready, fully rested, healed up, uh, and ready for this LSU uh, competition, you know, for the SEC championship. And uh, let's face it, like, our offense looks completely different when he's on the field. So, you know, and I I remember being at the Florida game, being on the sidelines when I saw 15, that he was ready to go. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a good day. And sure enough, he made some of the most amazing plays I've seen at the uh, wide receiver position. Um, he's he's really really come on, and I feel like that that spark that he brings, that momentum that he brings, just making big plays, it, it uh, is infectious. You know, it it gives a guy like Jake Fromm confidence, knowing he has a guy he can throw, uh, you know, put the ball basically anywhere, who's going to go and get it. And then for those other young receivers, the Pickens and Demetrius Robertson and, and all that, it takes that pressure off of them to feel like they have to make uh, a huge play. You know, kind of adds to uh, just elevating everybody's performance and uh, that's that's a lot of times with that senior leadership that experience does you know it, it elevates everybody you know just just giving them that confidence and whatnot so yeah I, I feel good man when I look at the past games like you just mentioned the Bama game a couple of years ago um, just how they were favored but we came in we showed out the Auburn game you know in the SEC championship uh, how we uh, you know came back after uh, losing against them um, there's so many times that you can think about uh, where it's a big game, a lot a lot was on the line, and we came out and we did our thing. And, and it started with Jake Fromm. You know, he's a gamer. This is a guy who uh, – and one of the reasons why I'm still confident about him is because I know his work mm-hmm. ethic. That's one thing nobody can say about Jake Fromm is that he doesn't care, that he doesn't work hard. You know, it would be one thing if he was a guy who wasn't a good leader and – you know, he's going downtown and we're hearing story, stories about him partying and all that. But that's like the last thing you're going to hear about a guy like Jake Fromm. And so 
regardless of his performance, I feel like this is a guy who's going to go back in the in the film room. He's going to get with his coaches. He's going to get with his teammates, and he's going to try to figure it out. Like this guy has he has character, he has resilience, which is what you want. At the end of the day, I, I take him over most quarterbacks. You know, any quarterback out there that's a high performer but is a partier, is a person that that doesn't have character. Um, you know, I, I take Jay Crom over them let's, any day. So I feel like he's going to really come back out and, and uh, well, show let's the world what we can about do. That. Let's flesh this out a little bit. Yeah, Jake Fromm, What do you think is up with him? Why is he? I I saw him miss more open receivers. This was, mm-hmm. and and you know the rain was an issue, um, but he has also right. he he has also had three under fifty percent accuracy days and they've all been the last three weeks Mm -hmm. and it wasn't raining at Auburn or against Missouri Um, he just hasn't looked as good and there are a number of theories out there Uh, is he someone who needed a great quarterback behind him like Jacob Beeson in 2017 and Justin Fields in 2018 I don't really subscribe to that theory uh, I like what you were touching on Rennie with he's the hardest working guy. I just I don't I don't think it's that. Is it something about? I mean, is it the offensive coordinator or the play is not as good for him? I mean, I don't know. I, I think James Coley had a good day. I think he dialed up some good plays against um, against Texas A and M. There's been other days that James Coley did not have a good day, but this one was a good day, and, and Fromm just didn't execute well. Um, is there something to the idea that you know Fromm comes here? and plays with Jim Chaney, who's got this great track record with quarterbacks, um, and then they make the change to James Coley as the quarterback's coach for his sophomore year. But Jim Chaney's still in the room. He's still the offensive coordinator, and mm-hmm. now Jim Chaney leaves, and Fromm's just not developing as much because of that, because he, he's not in his sync with James Coley. James Coley isn't as good a quarterback whisperer as Jim Chaney. There could be something to that. Um, I, I have talked to Brad Kaya, uh, the former Miami quarterback who played for Coley there. I think he's with the Colts right now. Um, and he loves Coley. He, he, he talked about how, how much he loved playing with him. So it's not like James Coley is just this recruiter, you know, who, who doesn't know how to coach. Um, I, I don't know. Any theories? What, what do you think? What do you think, Rennie, when it comes to Fromm? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard to put your finger on it without being in the film room and, in, you know, in those day-to-day scenarios, man. But a couple of theories I have is it definitely could be something between the, the quarterback and, and offense coordinator um, dynamic, that relationship, because, you know, I don't care how you put it, the X's and O's is one thing. Like, if you, as a player, don't have that trust with your coach, it's going to affect in, in your performance. Or if you don't have that... Uh, that trust with the the players who he puts out there, you know, if it's like let's say a, a player who you don't trust has been in the playbook, or it's somebody that's gonna make the play if you if you throw the ball to him, um, it's gonna affect in your performance. And you know, if you see even if you see him open, you're gonna <laughs> double clutch, or you're just not gonna trust your your judgment when it comes to that certain player. So there's a lot of different dynamics that go into it, and then with uh with uh from being such a cerebral player and such a smart player, I think that can kind of be to his detriment as well to like overthink plays instead of you know going with uh what you know what you've been coached you can kind of tend to to overthink things especially if you had some um, mistakes and some failures some overthrows it can start to get in your head so 
being a cerebral player can be a good thing in terms of like breaking down defenses and anticipation, all those things, but it can be a bad thing as well in terms of like overthinking and, and not trusting yourself and all those things. So I think he could be going through a little bit of that and, you know, some of that chatter about his performance could be getting to him. And that that's what it kind of seems like because he's missing like basic routine throws um, that you don't no normally see him miss, which you know, you, we know he has the ability, we know he has the arm, we know he's smart. So it has to go, uh, to me, that, that goes back to, you know, just that mindset and those things that, um, you know, are beneath the surface that are going on internally. Where it's like, you know, if, even if a, a game like golf, you know, if you get in your own head, you spend a lot of time in your, uh, by yourself in your mind. Uh, same is, is true at quarterback. So if you're going through those those scenarios where you're doubting yourself or you're second guessing or whatever it is, uh, it, it, it shows. And so hopefully he can overcome that, uh, whatever it is that's going on. Uh, if it's a relationship with the coach, hopefully they're meeting this week and hashing out those differences or, you know, uh, whatever it is, man, getting it right because this is crunch time. Yeah, it, it's you make an interesting point about his about the cerebral part about it, about how he may overthink it and maybe it affects his confidence. We we tend to look at from as this kind of like cyborg uh, who has this mm -hmm. just has this it factor because his very first start at Georgia was on the road at Notre Dame very famously. And even though he didn't have a good game, they did win the game and he takes the team all the way to the national championship game. And again, it's not like he was carrying the team or even the offense, but he was there. He was this great game manager. And so we think of him in, as a game manager in the best sense. But is it, I mean, he is human too. And, you mm -hmm. know, I, we kind of touched on this a little bit last year when it came to the idea that fields behind him and them playing fields, kind of forcing him into the lineup, seemed to have a, a bad effect because um, it affected Jake's rhythm, that he wasn't this cyborg that could just go back into the game and be the same guy all the time and, and run the same plays that he needed that rhythm this year. He's got that rhythm. You know, they're not playing Stetson Bennett. Uh, but when things start to not go well, and when he doesn't have that trust in the receivers that he had last year, I mean, something I, I keep coming back to is I keep imagining Jeremiah Holloman in this offense. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, yeah. And, I and never mind I like agree. Ridley and Hardman and Nauta. Um, now, Hardman is doing what he's doing mm -hmm. in the pros. That yeah, there, there was no reason for him to come back to school based on what he's doing. Um, but mm -hmm. and, and players are going to leave early. Uh, but they 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 lost some weapons on this team, which you can't cry about it now. You can't do anything about it. But it does speak to they just they haven't replaced that and. You know, particularly at, at tight end, um, Eli Wolf has given them some good, some good plays. I mean, he had a touchdown catch against Auburn, and he, I think, he had the game clinching catch against who was it, Florida. Um, so, you know, he, he's helped. But Charlie Warner, in a lot of ways, has just been a non-factor. Which I'm not sure that's Charlie's fault. I think that might be the fault of the offense that they're asking him to do too much, and they're not utilizing his skills. But the bottom line is they don't have an Isaac Nauta that you just go to to make these great plays over the middle. And they don't have well, – you know who Jeremiah Holloman is? He's Lawrence Cager. Lawrence Cager is mm -hmm. doing, when he's healthy and he's out there, what Jeremiah Holloman would be doing. 
um, a guy that just makes the big catch, the guy, veteran guy who knows how to get open, big target, smart guy, back shoulder play, um, you know, or, you know, it, when they w- did the back shoulder, the back-to-back, Tyler Simmons on one side and Karis Jackson on the other, that's great. But, mm-hmm. like, Jeremiah Holloman had that ability, and Lawrence Cager has that too, to make a bunch of different kind of routes work. Um, and they missed that when Lawrence Cager isn't in there. And, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I don't expect to see him against Georgia Tech. The tricky thing is, is it the kind of injury that's going to heal over a couple weeks? Or is it just one that's going to come back um, if he takes the wrong hit? Because he came back and played. These are the same injuries he was dealing with. He came back and played against Florida and then got re-injured against Auburn and didn't play against Texas A&M. So I just I don't know what they can expect from Cager going forward. Yeah, I, I, I mean, for me, just as a player, knowing the type of uh, advancements they've had from a physical therapy standpoint, from a training standpoint, I got no doubt in my mind. I mean, we got one of the best trainers oh, yeah. in the oh, yeah. in the yeah. We got the legend. Yeah. <laughs> so anybody's gonna figure out how to get him back on the field is Ron Corson. So I got no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man. I was thinking about that actually before we started recording. But the, the how much of a loss Jeremiah Holloman has been this entire season, um, just not having not only his performance but his leadership. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine we had him. You know. You know, next to or cross from Kaiser. I mean, that's that just changes the game in itself. And then be able to mix in, uh, sprinkle in Tyler yeah. Simmons, being able to go to. Sorry to interrupt, but just the idea of being yeah. able to go to both of those, being able to play them both together. Oh, man. And George yeah, Pickens that, coming off the bench. I mean, that that yeah. would have been huge. Yeah. Would have been huge, yeah. And, and even Pickens, you know, he would have less. I feel like less of a role this year if a guy like Holm is out there. Um, which he's he's had a lot of growth as well too, week to week. Um, just watching him and, and how he's becoming more comfortable. Kiaris Jackson is another one who, at, at any day, you know, he, these next couple of weeks are going to be big for him. Just continuing to uh, build that confidence and, and making those big plays. I think he's going to be a, a major weapon for us down the line. And uh, like you said, our, our tight ends have been kind of like one of the most inconsistent pieces of our offense. And I don't know. Uh, part of me thinks it's because we haven't fully uh, found that identity as an offense, so we don't we aren't really sure how to use them. And you kind of see it throughout the course of the game. Like we'll we'll come out and we're hitting you know we're hitting the ball outside the numbers on one series, and the next series we're trying to run the ball down the throats. The next series is is just kind of all over the place right now. Um, so I, I feel like we haven't really found our groove, and because we have the talent. I mean that's you know that's evident. Uh, we have the talent across the board to to really make big plays and and uh, make good things happen. But I think until we really find our identity, and that's what that's to me what it kind of looks like from the uh, play calling standpoint, uh, that we haven't really found that uh, that groove yet. We're gonna, I think we're going to continue to see those inconsistencies. And it's amazing that we're at this point. Like if you told me mm-hmm. before the season that Georgia's defense would be as good as it's been. I mean, not just good, great. I'd say, oh, this team's this team's eleven and zero and killing teams and is going into the SEC championship as the favorite, uh, or at least you know a pick 'em against Alabama or LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but for it to play out the way it did just goes to show that, again, you just never know in this sport. Um, you never know in sports mm-hmm. general for as, as much as, you know, we, we think we know. We, we don't. Uh, for this offense to take this step back, to just not be as good as it should have been, has been a shock. Uh, but mm-hmm. they haven't yet wasted this defense. They're 10-1. and one. They're going to be 11-1 and one barring some huge shock. And they're going to go into the LSU game with a, a puncher's chance. I mean, I think you may be a little bit more optimistic than me, um, but you know more football than me. So that may, that's good news for Georgia fans about Georgia's chances against LSU. But they, they still have a chance to, to be the team we expect them to be uh, because of that yeah. defense. That defense has given them a chance. If that offense can figure it itself out, if Jake Fromm of 2018 returns – down the stretch here, this team can beat LSU, can be right there with Clemson or Ohio State or Oklahoma or Alabama, whoever they end up seeing in December. That's It's possible. No, I, I totally agree, 100%. I feel like, you know, I mean, I've always known this as a linebacker in, in you know, at Georgia or wherever it is that defense wins championships. And uh, as long as we keep playing great defense, we keep giving – you know, Jake Fromm and, and the crew a chance. Uh, I believe we, we got every opportunity to win. And, um, you know, uh, that that's just how I see it. And going into, like I said, these, these next couple of weeks, it's going to really say a lot about how the remainder of the season is going to play out. And, and um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I really believe that when it comes to those big games, when you know, those lights are on, when it's a national stage, I like Jake Fromm uh, because of his level of preparation, uh, his level of concentration. He's able to to have that level of focus that allows him to make big plays in, in big games. Uh, and then, like I said, our, our defense is going to show up. Our de- defensive line, I mean, they're killing it right now. Mm-hmm. So even with LSU's high-powered offense and their good quarterback, I don't care how good he is, if he doesn't have time, if he's got guys in his face, hands up, you know, if he's getting hit and disrupted, Every single play, that's going to get to him. And, um, yeah, I, I, I like where we stand. I mean, I I know everybody's worried about the struggles and, you know, the inconsistencies with the offense. But at the same time, we still have talent. We, we still have so much talent. And, you know, you throw a guy like Cager back out there, our offense becomes completely different. Swift is, is doing great. Um, you know, consistent uh, playmaker for us. Even Harrion, you know, he's, he's shown signs of greatness and making great plays. So if all those guys really can put things together, and we, you know, I, I see no reason why we won't have a good day. And then, of course, got Rodrigo. Right. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's been, like, <laughs> making up for a lot of the uh, the inconsistencies that our offense has had. I mean, he, he's a big part of our offense right now. So we can't, right now, too, so we can't count him out either. Uh, just being able to get those. You know, those three points on the board, man, consistently. Where would this team you know? be without Rodrigo? You know that uh, right. I, I, I was shocked to find this out. I put this in my second glance. Georgia leads the country in red zone percentage. Mm. And nobody would think that because they've obviously sputtered in the red zone a lot of times. But Rodrigo saves them. Um, mm-hmm. But red zone percentage, and I, I went on this rant in my second glance when I, I mentioned it, it's an overrated stat because – yeah, it doesn't account for when you get pretty close. Like if you get down, 
like you get a first down at the 25, you're thinking, all right, basically we're in the red zone. But then if you never actually cross the 20, it doesn't count as a red zone trip. Georgia's had a lot of that, and Rodrigo has a lot of field goals that are 38 yards and beyond, which means he's giving them points that other teams aren't getting. Now, Texas A&M, by the way, was two for two on field goals in those conditions too, so they evidently had a good kicker, at least on Saturday. Um, but, yeah, Rodrigo is another saving grace of this offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was his last game at Georgia. Replacing him is going to be tough. Um, I was on the field. Oh, yeah. I was right next to uh, DeAndre Swift and Andrew Thomas when they shared a moment with Kirby Smart. Kirby came over to them and, like, look, those two guys are leaving. Uh, so they weren't recognized on senior night, but that was clear that Kirby was kind of coming over to them and saying, all right, you know, this was your final home game. Great job. Thank you. We've got more to do. Um, This offense, it's interesting. You don't want to project forward because the season isn't over, and (laughs) there could be some real drama left in the season. But this offense is losing some key pieces, and I'm including Rodrigo in that, whereas this defense, there's every reason to look over and say they're going to be mm-hmm. as good next year. Um, that's just kind of an interesting sidebar. Uh, you look over it. It's, they're not wasting the defense yet, um, and they're especially because they should have as good a defense next year. But they just need to get this offense in gear. Yeah, and uh, I mean, in all reality, it's, it's tough, like from an offense coordinator standpoint or just from a, a coaching standpoint to step in and just think that, you know, everything's going to change overnight. You're going to have complete success overnight. So um, I, I look forward to the second year with Coley as the offensive coordinator, having a, a full year to review everything, to see the mistakes that were made, um, to really even have uh, that second go round with the personnel, um, you know, being in that position, being in the play calling position, because it makes a big difference, you mm-hmm. know, from that first year to the second year. So, um yeah, I, I really think even though we're losing those key pieces, like we still have a lot of guys who will be familiar with this play, uh, play calling, who will be familiar with the system, and even, even he'll grow, um, you know, more uh, confident in his own play calling ability, uh, and you know he'll have the same kind of situations that he'll be presented with where he'll it won't be his first time, it, you know, so all those things kind of play a role in just that overall success. So. I, I think that second year will be a lot more telling as to his ability as an offense coordinator than this year uh, is. And so, yeah, but defensively, without a doubt, I mean, we have so much talent already out there from Devon uh, Wilson, especially when you look at the younger guys, Devon Wilson, Nicobe Dean, Nolan Smith. I mean, and, and even some guys who haven't even hit the field yet. That's what I'm even more excited about, the guys who are on the sidelines who we don't even know yet, but are mm-hmm. playmakers that have all the ability in the world, but maybe don't fully understand the concepts yet, but will be out there as well. So I think the future is bright, and you, you can see it, man. Our recruiting has been ridiculous, so no worries there. Well, uh, that's probably a good place to leave it on. Uh, not much to break down on Georgia Tech because, uh, you know, just there's not much. Although they did – they won their last game. They, they just beat uh, – just beat who was it? NC State. So maybe, maybe not a cakewalk. Although, maybe it will be a cakewalk. I, I I don't I don't expect a close game. Do you? Man, I I mean I always tell people you can't ever sleep on Tech. Uh, in any team like that, um, that's a rival for us. Man, they're going to be a completely different team when they play against us. And I know the guys know that by by now. You know we definitely have a target on our back. 
Uh, everybody wants to ruin any chance that we have to do anything great this season. So um, I, I feel like the first half is going to be a challenge. And then uh, I, I definitely feel like we'll pull away. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk by any means. Like These guys hate us. Oh, and and they, they're going to try to get us anywhere. They're going to try to upset us any way that they can. So I, I definitely think it's going to be a game. Yeah, Georgia needs to get out of there without more injuries. Um, right. I don't know about Cager. Eric Stokes uh, was out for the second half. I don't. They haven't said what the injury was. The sideline reporter during the game for CBS said it was undisclosed, which usually means concussion. Um, which and, and Kirby after the game just said he was dinged up. Kirby doesn't really give away any information much anymore. Um, but if it's a concussion, that should be good news as far as the LSU game because that's in the seven to ten days area, um, which means he might not play against um, Georgia Tech unless it's kind of the mild concussion variety. But you know, unless it's another serious injury, more serious injury than a concussion. Not, I mean, concussion's a serious injury, but you can return mm-hmm. from it in a week or so. Um, the key for Georgia is getting out of there without injuries, which means it's a good thing they're not playing the triple option Paul Johnson Georgia Tech anymore. Oh, they, yeah. yeah, I mean, now that doesn't mean they're not going to get any injuries, but you, you, boy, you were on when, when you were playing that Georgia Tech offense. My gosh. you were on you were on guard for it. You played them uh, all three of your years. They had the, yeah. the Paul Johnson offense, right? Yeah, that was the worst, man. I mean, you got to look out for your knees on every play because those offensive linemen would. Chop blocking, just doing all kinds of stuff, throwing their bodies at you, um, you know. So that that offense was definitely crazy. I, w- I would have loved to play against the offense they have now. Yeah, yeah, and I think it hurt them in recruiting. This is why oh, yeah. Georgia Tech has struggled is they they've number one, they're making a transition from one type of offense to another on offense. So that's hurting the offense. But on defense, it, it, it hurt them in recruiting because it was hard to convince players really good players to come to Georgia Tech knowing they would have to practice against that offense that they wouldn't develop well. Uh, and so you're, you're seeing a buildup of not having that kind of talent on defense. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, a lot of personnel issues there when you talk about going from that, that triple offense and what they have now. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, I feel like, transitions for them is definitely at the offensive line position just because with that triple offense uh, – you know, triple option offense, you had to have offensive linemen who were a little bit lighter, uh, who could run and all that, not your big body type. And so replacing those uh, at the, you know, in the front seven, man, that's that's a huge challenge. Challenge. So I don't think they're going to be in that place to really compete for the next at least two years. So, yeah, well, the line is 28 on the game, as uh, my other cod- podcast partner, Jeff Schultz, reminds me. He's obsessed with the line. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I wouldn't take Georgia in the points. I, I could see a pull away. I, I, I see where you, what you're saying, close mm-hmm. for a little bit, and then Georgia pulls away. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think it could go the other way, a little bit like the Vanderbilt game. Georgia comes out, puts up a lot of points, and then at that point – kind of takes the foot off the accelerator you know Kirby tries to sneak some reserves in there and save some guys from injury potential and and you know it ends up being like a 17 to 20 point win for that reason I, I don't know I mean I'm, I'm I've learned in this game Rennie 
not to sit here and say I am sure about how anything's going to go unless it's, <laughs> you know, you're playing a Murray State type team. You just, especially this year <laughs> with the amount of Mm-hmm. unexpected close game. The, the South Carolina game alone should have taught us to never be sure of how something is going to go. Exactly. No, I agree. And I, I think ideally, you know, Kirby is going to definitely be on them about going in, have a complete game, making sure that they're, uh, you know, executing on and firing on all the right cylinders, offensively, defensively, special teams wise, because this is a momentum builder for LSU. You know, we go in and like you mm-hmm. said, we put up points fast. We get the reserves out there. Uh, we leave with no injuries, man. That's like the, I feel like the biggest goal, should be the biggest goal for this week is for us to put together a solid game going into LSU so that it's something that we can build on and we're not necessarily having to go into that LSU week still thinking about, okay, we, we made this these mistakes and we did that. Like, we got a lot of work to do type of thing. And, and then there's all this pressure that's amounted going into that week to where we feel like we have to play an absolute perfect game to uh, beat that team because that's not that's not where we want to be, so uh, yeah, I, I think that's should be the goal for this week. Cool. Well, um, I'd like to congratulate my son on not interrupting the podcast. Nice. Um, but I can now in my home office here in the basement hear him cavorting upstairs. I think he's playing a football game by himself, which is good. Uh, but I've played with fire with this, so I should. One quick thing <laughs> before we go, Rennie. Yeah. Thanksgiving week, uh, what are you looking forward to the most on Thursday? Not Everyone knows family, you know, watching football on TV. What food or drink are you most looking forward to? Man, so for me, you know, I'm Liberian. Family's from Liberia, so we always have a lot of different Liberian dishes. If you have never tried Ooh. Liberian food before, it that is the good. best African food that you can have. So we have a dish called jellof rice that's kind of like kind of like a stir fry like an african stir fry but it has Ooh. like shrimp it has chicken in it, it has beef in it you mix it up with the rice and it's delicious it's well seasoned and all that so my mom makes that super good anybody want to try some just reach out to me <laughs> i might i might send you a plate i might not if there's anything left over i might send you some um, is liberian then because liberia was like um, a freed american slave exactly yeah back in the 1700s 1600s you know so that's a mix of like soul food mm-hmm. and african food yeah so that's that's a really good mix oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's, it's that a really, makes really good mix good and my mom food. you know nobody can cook like moms oh yeah so it's it's that's one of Ooh. the dishes that yeah. I, I love to eat and then uh Outside of that, outside of the food, man, I look forward to that nap after the big meal. That's always a good time. Just oh yeah, you eat and then yeah. <laughs> you know you just pass out. Then you eat again, and then I usually will make a couple rounds, visiting a couple people, and packing some plates so I have food for the week. But yeah, yeah. I I have uh, for the last two years, and I'm going to uh, tweet about this as well. And as I have for the last two years, I have a new system for cooking turkey, which is called a spatchcock, a turkey. It sounds what, what? but it's not. Uh, I don't. Spatchcock a turkey. Basically, I don't oh, know wow. why they came up with the name, but I love the name because everyone thinks I'm like you know Kirby Smart cursing at a press conference when I say it, but that's the term. Uh, you don't have to bleep it out, but basically it's uh, flattening a turkey. You take the turkey, you flip it over, and mm. you break the breastbone. So you cook it flat, and it cooks a lot quicker. Mm. You know how. Like when you cook a turkey, a lot of times the normal way you have to put it in the first off, you have to make sure it's defrosted for 
months, it seems. Okay. Um, do not go out and try and buy a turkey like Wednesday. It's you know, bad news. Thing to defrost. Yeah, okay. I, I ordered my turkey last Tuesday hmm. uh, from Earth Fair, and it should be arriving tomorrow. So I'm going to be going down to Five Points. If anyone wants to come talk about the dogs, I will be at Earth Fair picking up my turkey in Five <laughs> Points in Athens. Um, but then you 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 cook it quicker. It cooks in like I don't know an hour and a half, maybe less. Um, and you just baste it with some olive oil and stuff, and, and it's wonderful. That, now, the, the best part of I'm a white meat guy, and the best part of the turkey for me is just picking at it. Okay. And I, I've always just loved doing that. Just, you know, you just you go, you get the turkey out, you have the family, the fellowship, but you're always just kind of making sure that your, your walk takes you around the turkey. So you can say, yeah, just take another little pick there. Right. Pick there. Um, but, yeah, and then the nap, which if you can get it, is is the best part gotta get the nap man gotta get the nap i i I don't know i'm not a huge turkey fan honestly i might have like a little bit of it but i'm like more rotisserie chicken that's like my turkey style i I just it it could because the turkey can be depending on who's preparing it can be kind of dry and just like make you extra thirsty so i like if i do eat turkey it's got to be well seasoned it's got to be like you know moist and just yeah it's got to have some juices to it (laughs) <laughs> so I like dry. Okay, my wife, dry my wife makes fun of me like, for it. Oh man, yeah, but yeah, he's. But I I like dry, but I like a mix. I like dry just in general, which I know means that I'm a lot of times just basically eating cardboard. But I like dry right. meat. <laughs> but yeah, really then like when you eat the juicy meat, yeah, when you eat when you get the really good juicy meat, I just I like juicy meat. I just don't like red meat. So. When gotcha. it, it's hitting that sweet spot where you cook it just enough, you know, you get it to like 165 mm-hmm. internal temperature, but not like, you know, yeah, you, you've got to get it to right there and it's, it, it can be tough. And before anyone writes in, yes, I'm aware of thermometers that you can monitor. <laughs> I have you got the it, but numbers down, it's man. It's still okay. not easy because <laughs> different right. parts of the turkey, and this goes for any kind of meal, any kind of meat, different meat cooks at different levels. Mm-hmm. within it so anyway um randy sounds like we should have done a special thanksgiving episode oh yeah talk man. About I, I can cook now a lot of people don't don't you know know that about me but i'm like to call myself chef, chef boy rc so <laughs> but i don't cook on thanksgiving <laughs> I, like I just i just show up you know and just grab a plate and uh my mom my sisters you know i'm the youngest of three got two older sisters so they do a lot of the cooking and whatnot i'm just the cleanup crew and the guy who the errand boy who runs and gets the drinks and all the ice and whatever else is needed, cheesecake, and all that good stuff. So yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, cheesecake's good, but this is a week for pumpkin pie. I have to say. True, true. I know. I'm, 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 I'm like Mister Stereotypical <laughs> Thanksgiving guy. Yeah, I hear. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of boring that way. I hear. But anyway, all right, Rennie. Well, um, I guess we'll be back next week to talk more in depth about LSU and yes sir and the SEC championship yes sir exciting times all right everybody well thanks for listening and uh, we'll tune in next week to us happy thanksgiving go dogs happy thanksgiving we just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose we just crushed their face